Welcome to the Keeping Well podcast, a space where anything goes when it comes to discussions around mental health and well-being. A main intention of the podcast is to help erase the stigma around mental health. Life is hard. We all have our struggles. If you're looking to feel less alone and learn tools to keep well, you've come to the right place. Have a seat, get cozy, and let's dive in. Today's episode comes with a trigger warning and disclaimer. There will be mentions of suicidal ideation. Listener discretion is advised. This episode is an inside look into an individual's experience of bipolar disorder, specifically bipolar 2. My guest is a close friend, Casto, who so bravely came out with his truth and mental health journey. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Keeping Well. My guest today is Casto, a dear friend from college who inspires me through his ability to relate to others and his openness to share his experiences, both the good and the ugly. We love diving deep together, and he has helped me gain perspective on many things over the years. He is multi-talented with interests in nutrition, cooking, yoga, the list goes on. Today, he's agreed to come on and share bravely about his experiences with bipolar disorder. I'm so honored to have him here with me. Welcome to the podcast, Casto. Hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Jojo. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that this is something that is maybe, I mean, I'm sure it's like very dear to your heart, like what we're about to speak about, because it's something that you experience, I would say it's a part of your everyday life, right? Mm -hmm. Even just in terms of managing it. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's something that people don't talk about often and that people don't like to talk about. So Mm. I am just so grateful that you've agreed to share. And I am so proud of you for Mm. speaking about it. Yeah. Just wanted to say that first. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually like the first time I'm talking about this publicly. So it's like Mm -hmm. my second or third coming out of the closet in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be doing it this way through your podcast and in like a way that will reach more people and, you know, potentially help more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the perspective that I also want to take with my podcast. So we're super aligned on that front. Yeah. Yeah, so we can start diving into it. And I guess I first, uh, maybe I can just ask you like how you've been doing recently, actually, 
just to start things off? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, mm -hmm. I've been, you know, dealing with bipolar for several years now, so I'm mm -hmm. pretty stable. Um, mm -hmm. I have been going through a lot of transitional periods, so mm -hmm. that makes it um, extra, um, not tricky, but like I have to be more mm -hmm. conscious about it. And we'll talk about mm -hmm. that later, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you mm -hmm. for asking. I always, I always love when people ask, like, how are you doing? Because that mm -hmm. kind of sets the tone and makes me know that the other person cares, which I mm -hmm. think is important for mental health in general, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that you're, sounds like you're in a good place right now. And like you said, this is something that you've been dealing with for a number of years now. And so you've kind of accumulated experience with it and with that, like, gained knowledge in terms of how to manage it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Great. So maybe we can start off with just um, if you can share with our listeners what bipolar disorder is and um I guess doesn't have to be like the medical technical definition of it, but even more so in terms of your experience of it. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I think I wanted to share my, like you said, my personal experiences with it um, and not mm -hmm. like, you know, you can always look up if you're interested, like the medical terms and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's important to start with this because it is really misunderstood. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to like clear the air about bipolar disorder. Um, mm -hmm. So basically it is a mood disorder um, that's mm -hmm. marked by periods of sustained and extreme highs and lows. Um, and I think mm -hmm. the important parts of that are sustained and extreme. Because, you know, in life, we go through highs and lows, depending on what's going on in our life, you know, mm -hmm. new jobs, breakups. Um, but a lot of bipolar happens without triggers, without these life events. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, due to chemical imbalances in your body. Um, mm -hmm. Rather, I mean, external factors will trigger and affect your mood. Um, mm -hmm. But the... I would say the effects are more extreme and they're, um, like I said, they're sustained. So they can last not just for like an afternoon or a day or two, but they can last for several days, um, mm -hmm. weeks, and even months. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the basic gist of it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important to know that there are two main uh, types of bipolar. Um, mm -hmm. Bipolar one is a little bit more extreme. Um, mm -hmm. That one, there's periods of what we call mania, which are the highs, and mm -hmm. depression, which are the lows. Mm -hmm. um, and bipolar two, it's a little bit um, less severe, but you mm -hmm. still experience a lot of those symptoms. And that is um, defined by hypomania, which again mm -hmm. is a less extreme version of mania and depression, same same mm -hmm. as bipolar one. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm experiencing bipolar two, which, you mm -hmm. know, I'm very grateful that I experienced the less severe version of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the causes are not super well understood, um, but it's likely to be genetic. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I guess some of the symptoms of bipolar, because that is, you know, what we all Google first. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we always ask Dr. Google, what are the symptoms of this? And mm-hmm. trying to figure out if you have it. Um, so for mania, which is the ex- the very extreme high, um, I've mm-hmm. experienced one man- manic episode. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, what happened was I engaged in risky activities. Um, mm-hmm. Like I traveled a long distance for no reason, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I think to back up a little bit, all of these symptoms or experiences are out of the normal um they're like a lot more um what's the word like yeah they're just more extreme than what you would usually do or experience Mm -hmm. um so yeah i traveled like i was living in los angeles at the time and i like just up and went to tijuana mexico and crossed the border Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for no for no good reason mm-hmm. um, risky financial activity that's something that a lot of people experience with manic episodes um, mm-hmm. like empty or emptying your bank account I withdrew a lot of cash um, mm-hmm. and the reasons for that is the next symptom which is psychosis um, mm-hmm. symptoms of psychosis um, so having paranoia delusion Mm-hmm. I actually thought that um, someone was following me and tracking mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided not to use my credit card and to withdraw like a lot of cash um, mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also decided not to take like the most direct route. I took like several buses again because I thought people were mm-hmm. like following me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the symptoms of mania that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Hypomania, um, which is like again the less severe of mania, um, mm-hmm. that one I've experienced more. One of the symptoms is psychomotor agitation, which is like mm-hmm. not being able to stay still. I was like, mm-hmm. I remember being in a pool and just like jumping up and down the whole time, um, mm-hmm. and my friends were like what is going on Tesco? um mm-hmm. and and i'll talk about a little bit more about like friends noticing things a little bit later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um feeling elated like girl i was like on cloud nine mm-hmm. all the time like it's almost as if something great had happened to me um mm-hmm. but not and i just felt that way um mm-hmm. There's an episode of, um, well, we can circle back. Um, I forgot the name mm-hmm. of it right now. Um, but basically, they were depicting um, someone with bipolar disorder. And everything mm-hmm. was a musical. Like, everything had this, mm-hmm. like, bright, shiny sheen to it. Everyone was so happy. And that's that's honestly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um extreme or like unrealistic confidence in things um and just Mm -hmm. like oozing that confidence i would say 
mm-hmm. um, being easily distracted. Like I remember being part of multiple conversations at once, um, mm-hmm. and like kind of being aware of exactly what was in each conversation. Um, and again, like my friends would notice, like, "Whoa, did you just like respond to me and him at the same time?" And mm-hmm. in like a very relevant conscious way mm-hmm. um being hyper social like engaging with strangers more than usual mm-hmm. i remember um like every store like um worker clerk was like my best friend and we would like I would just like make friends with them as if they were like my buddies and we would like exchange Instagrams. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone was a friend to me, Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm a social person, but like not that social. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking very quickly. I think um, that's something that friends notice as well. Um, Not needing as much sleep like it only took it it took me like half of my sleep to get the same amount of energy Mm -hmm. um and racing thoughts and ideas like i was just like brainstorming in like a brainstorming session all the time like oh my god Mm -hmm. i want to do this i want to do this this is what my next goals are Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I want to say that a lot of these symptoms sound great, right? Like mm-hmm. being more confident, um, maybe not being easily distracted, but being elated, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people, myself included, kind of miss hypomanic episodes. Like we wish that we could be in hypomanic episodes more often or like return to that state because it just feels great you know Mm -hmm. um i've heard that some people will actually try to um initiate hypomanic episodes like self-trigger a hypomanic episode by Mm -hmm. like getting less sleep because some Mm -hmm. people by getting less sleep they um they can trigger a hypomanic episode. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's definitely a common occurrence to like want or miss these episodes. Mm-hmm. But the main reason we shouldn't do that is, you know, just like the natural order order of things, um, a high is followed by a low, mm-hmm. which brings us to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, the first symptom I want to talk about, it's, you know, something we don't talk about in society. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's really important for everyone to hear about this because you may be experiencing it. And, um, you know, it is part of depression, whether it's whether it's depression by itself or part of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so this symptom is suicidal ideation which mm-hmm. is um, basically thoughts or plans of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it can mean anything from just like a fleeting thought 
And if I'm, if it's like a very mild um, depressive episode, I can just kind of brush it off really easily. Be like, mm-hmm. the thought will be like, oh, you should kill yourself. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, another part of me speaks, like, mm-hmm. I guess like the true or like intentional part of me speaks mm-hmm. and says like, no, we're not going to do that. Or no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So those fleeting thoughts are just very like, yeah, they don't last too long. Um, they're not that serious. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of the scale is planning suicide or making plans for suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's only happened in my like extreme episodes of depression and it hasn't happened too often. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, like, looking up how to buy a gun or Mm. thinking of places that I could, you know, like jump off and, you know, end my life that way. Um, Mm -hmm. One recent one um, was I was looking up places where I could have um, assisted suicide, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, those things are really scary when I'm thinking about it and I'm not in an episode. But mm-hmm. in the middle of a depressive episode, like, that's kind of just, that's, you don't think about, like, the severity or, like, the effects of it would have on friends and family. You just are so, are in this, like, dark, dark place where that's the only option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That aside, um, you know, like some of these other symptoms are still pretty dark, but not as um, dark as suicidal ideation. Um, mm-hmm. um, thinking about like, what's the point of living? Um, mm-hmm. I remember I was on like a family vacation and I was kind of going through an episode and um, I just kept saying like, what's the point? What's the point? And my sister was like, you keep saying that. Is everything okay? Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a symptom. Mm -hmm. Um, Feelings of worthlessness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I want to say a lot of these symptoms are like the opposite of mania or hypomania. So Mm -hmm. whereas in mania you're having, or hypomania you're having, um, like faster speech and more energy in depression you're having lethargy lethargy i don't know how to say that word Um, lethargy or lethargy Lethargy. okay thank you English (laughs) lesson two (laughs) um yeah lethargy um feeling heavy in the limbs instead of feeling like very light and having the psychomotor agitation. Mm-hmm. Um, I distinctly remember an episode I was having in Vancouver and I felt like my limbs were like weights and I like could not lift them. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of sleeping less, you sleep more um, mm-hmm. and you just like stay in bed all the time. I think that is like, kind of one of the more well-known symptoms of depression um, mm-hmm. that's like depicted in media and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. One side note, um, 
there was one time where I was sleeping so much and in bed so much that it triggered a form of in um, what's the word where like things are spinning and you're dizzy um, um vertigo vertigo there you go yeah. i knew it was a v there you go yeah yeah i remember um feeling vertigo like the room was spinning mm -hmm. and in this episode i was i was teaching yoga at the time and i remember having like mm. like having to collect myself and force myself to get out of bed go to this studio and teach a class mm -hmm. which you know like you guys have heard these symptoms now can you imagine like having to guide a room of students through these poses and through this like kind of spiritual journey that is yoga mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you yourself are not well mm -hmm. so that is difficult on its own um, mm -hmm. But then I was also experiencing this vertigo. So, like, if I tried to get into downward dog to, like, show that pose, oh, my God, I thought I was going to throw up. Um, I thought I was, I thought I couldn't get through the class. But, mm -hmm. you know, some something was helping me. Some, you know, the higher being, the universe was helping me at that point, And I got through it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was great. Um, well, not great, but it was great that I got through it. Mm -hmm. um, so back to the other symptoms um, and the opposite symptoms of hypomania. Um, I mentioned being hypersocial before in mm -hmm. uh, one of those highs. Um, mm -hmm. Being antisocial is a symptom that I experience with depression. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I don't check my phone for days. I literally want to cocoon and avoid the world and avoid mm -hmm. these people that I love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then, um, you know, loss or interest of everyday activities or hobbies. Um, mm -hmm. Like, uh, like you guys can tell I love yoga, I also love to cook. But those mm -hmm. things have no interest in me in, this, in these episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and some other things, inability to finish simple tasks, like even even just walking to the door. Like mm -hmm. I remember kind of collapsing on the floor and just, just laying there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the yeah. symptoms of depression that I experience and the other yeah. symptoms of bipolar that I experience. Yeah, I just want to first thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I imagine it's not easy to talk about the details of those experiences because they're very like emotionally charged and you know, mm -hmm. like we, we've discussed, it's like a taboo to talk about them. Um, so first of all, thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably. Um, and I also want to remark on what you said about, you know, people that, that do experience manic or hypomanic episodes, like it's 
quite enjoyable to them, right? Like you're saying, mm-hmm. you feel a lot more confident. You feel like you can get so many things done. And I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to experience those things, I guess, even for, you know, just the your average regular Joe, you know, sounds mm-hmm. kind of great. But like you said, with these highs come these lows. And it was really helpful to hear you compare the symptoms of the two because they really mm-hmm. are opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that even for me, and I'm sure for our audience as well, it'll be eye-opening or it was opening, eye-opening or it is eye-opening to just learn about and contrast like these two different states, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, so I guess now having understood or having a better understanding of what comes with bipolar, um, I'm curious, like, when this all started for you? And I mean, yeah, I just wonder, like, what was going through your head or... How did you feel? Like, because it probably was all foreign to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, what the beginning of all this was like for you? And then mm-hmm. also then how did you kind of realize, like, something's off or I probably need to, like, try to get help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so uh, this is something that's, like, not embarrassing, but I wish mm. it it wasn't the case. Um, yeah. My trigger was a breakup. Um, yeah. I was seeing a guy for five years, and yeah. he broke up with me. And um, I think, like a lot of you know, like for anyone, a breakup will cause some symptoms of depression. You know, like feelings mm-hmm. of worthlessness, like. I don't know, people in the movies say, like, oh, I can't taste food or, like, um, mm-hmm. colors don't seem as vibrant. Like, just this, this like, quote-unquote sadness. I don't really like mm-hmm. to use the word sadness when I describe depression because sadness is an emotion. Mm-hmm. And for a lot, for what I experience of depression, it's, like, the absence of emotions. Mm-hmm. Just this, like, void. So... Mm-hmm. I, you know, experienced these symptoms of a quote-unquote symptoms of a breakup. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just, like, I thought it was normal. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't know it was a depressive episode at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I guess, the big impetus for me to start seeking help was the hypo or sorry the manic episode i experienced i i call it the tijuana experience the one where i mm-hmm. you know up and went to tijuana and when i recovered from that i was i was completely safe um you know it didn't last too long which was great um but that was definitely a sign that like okay casto something is wrong mm-hmm. um so i found a therapist and we didn't have much time, but in that time, he gave me a lot of coping mechanisms. 
um, mm. which we'll talk about later, that I used, and it actually mm. helped me get out of this um, depressive episode. Um, mm. But just like a low follows a high, guess what follows a low? <laughs> um, a high, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like this kind of this cycle. So I didn't know at the time, but like I was experiencing a hypomanic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these symptoms, you know. Um, so yeah, this is just like the timeline of my experience. And I've actually written this down, which has been really helpful. I have like an Excel spreadsheet that tracks like, am I experiencing an extreme depressive episode, a mild depressive episode, a mm-hmm. baseline? Um, mm-hmm. And I also note like life events, um, mm-hmm. my medications. So yeah, it's just mm-hmm. helpful for me to like kind of see this all written down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, what was I saying? Yeah, um, experienced a hypomanic episode um, and that lasted several months actually. And then all of a sudden I was experiencing depressive episodes. And mm-hmm. this is kind of where the diagnosis comes in um Mm -hmm. i recognize these depressive episodes and i decided to see a therapist Mm -hmm. and um yeah we talked about you know and kind of kind of diagnosed with the therapist that i was experiencing a depressive episode um Mm -hmm. but luckily this um kind of psychotherapy group that i was seeing um they also had an in-house psychiatrist So I decided Mm -hmm. to see the psychiatrist um, out of curiosity and um, yeah, it's through that psychiatrist that we figured out that I had bipolar disorder and not just depression. Mm -hmm. Um, So how did we go about that diagnosis? There's no test for it. There's no like COVID test or blood (laughs) test or anything. it's basically looking back at your history for signs and symptoms, mm-hmm. um, just self-reflection, but more importantly, like talking to friends and family about it because mm-hmm. they're the ones who know you and mm-hmm. can notice changes. Um, and again, these extreme changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that kind of, that was such a relief, like kind of, being able to understand the depressive episodes, but also like it was eye-opening to see that like, oh wow, I was experiencing like hypomania. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's basically how you diagnose bipolar disorder. You need professionals. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you can kind of start to self-diagnose with Google, but I think it's important to really see a professional to to say for certain whether or not you have it, and mm-hmm. and then you can start to manage it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, as a graduate student in psychology, you know, I've you know, read about this in textbooks and learned about it from professors, but 
um, it's helpful to hear about a real life example and an experience of you know the whole process of how you kind of noticed that you needed help and yeah it's interesting that you say that it was during a depressive episode that you initially seek therapy because of the depression right the mm. depressive symptoms that you experienced because this is also something i learned in my classes is that when you experience mania like you don't want it to stop because it feels so good mm -hmm. right Right. And you right, exactly. and you wouldn't go see someone because you don't think there's anything wrong with you mm -hmm. at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, everything just feels not normal, but like you just kind of like when you gain weight, right? Like you don't really notice <laughs> it <laughs> um, until like other people say something, um, mm. and then. <laughs> And then that's when you like look back and are like, oh, maybe it's because I just was stressed and started eating more. Uh, mm -hmm. Just to like draw parallels to something else that yeah. people might um, relate to more. Yeah. 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 So I think that's something that's important to point out is that, you know, it sounds like with bipolar disorder, it's almost like there are pockets of time where you would seek help and then pockets of time where you wouldn't even think about it. Um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. just for our listeners and for anyone else, you know, I guess for our listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> uh, a good thing to note, because um, I think that really differentiates bipolar with some of the other um, mental health disorders yeah yeah for sure um and i think mm. kind of with any sort of mental health disorder like it is hard to seek help like mm -hmm. it takes it almost takes like an extreme event to force yourself to to make a change right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so kind of taking baby steps like researching mm -hmm. therapists and psychiatrists that's mm -hmm that's great um that's wh mm -hmm. what i did i kind of knew something was up i started mm -hmm. researching but i didn't make the leap mm -hmm. to seek help until you know i went through a manic episode or mm -hmm. um i was having like extreme suicidal ideation and mm -hmm. that was the right. impetus So maybe we can kind of move on now to how you're able to manage it, like today, for example, like currently, mm -hmm. um, because you did yeah. say that you've experienced this now for multiple years. And so, yeah, maybe you can share a bit about how the management process has been throughout the years and also today. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess just... To back up a little bit, um, my bipolar disorder diagnosis was in 2018. Um, mm -hmm. the, so it's been about four years since I've been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, 
jumping forward to like how I manage it today, I would say the most important thing that I can do every day is mm-hmm. to take my medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's important. That's true for any disorder, whether it's mental or physical. Um, but yeah, taking those medications is what I can do, is one of the most important things I can do. Um, mm-hmm. So you need a psychiatrist to diagnose and um, prescribe medicine like that is mm-hmm. also very important um, mm-hmm. my decision to take the medication was a very tough and personal one um, mm-hmm. I'm the type that I don't I don't like reach for aspirin when I have a headache or um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm a little stubborn, I guess. I, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that till now, but mm-hmm. I am a little stubborn. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just drink water or rest or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So I was doing everything right at this time that I decided to take some medication. I, um, I was meditating so much. I was doing yoga. I, I was keeping up with all of this self-care. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there weren't any, like, negative events going on in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was traveling, you know. I, was, I should have been happy. But mm-hmm. I was experiencing the symptoms of depression despite all of that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was the wake-up call that was like, okay, I need help. I need external help and professional help and the medications you know were gonna be crucial to my recovery and my management mm-hmm. um i guess you know some people have really bad side effects and they have to try different medications so mm-hmm. that can be very challenging having to jump between types and mm-hmm. you know testing it out because everyone's case is different Mm -hmm. um i'm not a pharmacist or a doctor or a nurse and i don't know all of the different types of medications Mm -hmm. um but the ones that i take are um mood stabilizers Mm -hmm. what they my understanding of what they do is they kind of create like a ceiling so that i don't get too high and hit this hypomanic episode and they Mm -hmm. also kind of create a floor where Mm -hmm. it like kind of prevents the depressive episodes from happening as often or as severely Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's all i wanted to say about the medications oh like i didn't have bad side effects luckily um Mm -hmm. And I've also never been hospitalized for a manic episode or, or a depressive episode, which I'm very grateful for. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people with bipolar disorder personally, and they have been hospitalized mm-hmm. um, just to, like, make sure they don't harm themselves or make sure mm-hmm. they don't engage in, like, extremely risky behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for all these things. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, that was that was like a tangent, um, but yeah, that's um, and then we started on a low dosage um, just to make sure there wouldn't be too many side effects. 
and then we raise them and you know over the years i've had to titrate and like increase the medication um just to like help manage more extreme symptoms mm -hmm. so that's the medication bit um mm -hmm. i kind of mentioned therapy earlier um mm -hmm. but therapy is also really important kind of this like emotional mental um mm -hmm. kind of exploration and management versus like the physical biological um management with the medication mm -hmm. um so there are you know different stages that we'll go through like in the middle of an episode um the therapist will kind of help identify these symptoms um mm -hmm. will start to identify and then like a psychiatrist can kind of like more more definely uh, like more better define them mm -hmm. um so yeah like identify an episode talk through the symptoms and mm -hmm. talk you through coping mechanisms um, mm -hmm. that's kind of, again that's like in the middle of an episode mm -hmm. um when i am not in an episode um we kind of use therapy therapy as like kind of how it's used for other people like exploring issues um, mm -hmm. and problems in my life um, mm -hmm. and these issues and problems actually may be contributing to the highs and lows um, mm -hmm. so kind of identifying those and managing those um, mm -hmm. when I'm not in an episode mm -hmm. and then this one is really important to um, kind of preparing for the future so there's like the past the present and the future mm -hmm. um, kind of thinking about relapses mm -hmm. and how to prevent or manage them. Mm -hmm. So a therapist is really important um, in the management of bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned self-care earlier. Um, mm -hmm. So for, for me personally, journaling, oh, journaling is like the best thing that I can mm -hmm. do. Um, I, try to, I try to do it every day. You know, mm -hmm. some days it's not as good as others but um yeah journaling yoga and meditation i mm -hmm. kind of lump all of these together as ways to um like reflect and reset um mm -hmm. and just like get this perspective of how i am doing in this moment mm -hmm. um you know like am i experiencing symptoms um kind of creating the self-awareness um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of, I love this, um, metaphor, but like, it's kind of like a pond or a lake. And mm -hmm. if it's tumultuous, um, you don't notice this like rock that's dropped into it. Right. It, it has no effect, mm -hmm. but through my self care, I'm able to make that body of water still. And mm -hmm. when it's still, and I see a rock or a pebble drop into it, you can see the ripples. Mm -hmm. and see those effects mm -hmm. so that's what self-care does for me mm -hmm. yeah um so that's yeah. kind of that is a coping mechanism too um yeah. which i want to talk about as well yeah um, these are di these are different for everyone um, for mm -hmm. some people exercising when you're in a depressive episode can help um for me that. I'm not like an exerciser in general. Um, so like 
I would not be able to motivate myself. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I would not be mm-hmm. able to motivate myself to exercise in yeah. that depressive episode because I can't mm-hmm. motivate myself to do that when I'm baseline, right? <laughs> um, other coping mechanisms for me, yeah, um, being in a public space, like a coffee shop, um, that can be really helpful just like being alone but also being surrounded by people um, mm-hmm. and like keeping myself safe that I won't do anything um, mm-hmm. going for a walk calling friends and family oh my god that's like one of the most important ones just like mm-hmm. kind of being able to talk through symptoms like hey hey girl like I'm not feeling well right now Mm-hmm. I just need someone to distract me maybe or like mm-hmm. I just need to be with someone um, mm-hmm. and obviously like calling people isn't isn't as ideal as like being with someone in person um, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of long I move a lot and I have a lot of long distance friendships so for me calling mm-hmm. is um, more realistic mm-hmm. um and yeah, kind of to back up, I know I mentioned um, in a depressive episode, um, it's really, I'm really antisocial. But mm-hmm. when I see the symptoms coming, um, hopefully I can catch them before it gets too bad and I'm able to like, um, to call a friend or a family member um, just like in the early stages of this episode to kind of help me cope Mm -hmm. um napping for me helps a lot um Mm -hmm. i know that again it's like well casta you said that like sleeping is a symptom of depression but um napping a little bit kind of helps me just like oh maybe i'll sleep this episode off and that kind of that works sometimes but not all Mm -hmm. the time Mm -hmm. um and kind of going back to one of the symptoms of like not being excited for anything in depression, um, mm-hmm. planning something in the future, like writing a to-do list or planning mm-hmm. a trip, that can kind of give me something to look forward to mm-hmm. um, and kind of help pull me out of an episode, a depressive mm-hmm. episode. And mm-hmm. sorry, a lot of these coping mechanisms are for, or all of them are for depressive episodes because that's what mm-hmm. I... Uh, currently experience more than hypomanic episodes mm-hmm. got it um yeah yeah um mm-hmm. so another part of management is a safety plan and this is something that i work with my therapist to write um mm-hmm. it's basically just like taking all of this management and writing it down um so that it's just visible and like you know exactly what to do so writing down the coping mechanisms um writing down the warning signs of an episode um Mm -hmm. the contact numbers of your care team nearby hospitals and Mm -hmm. like i think this one is important um making how to make a safe environment so Mm -hmm. for some people that can be like hiding your medication so you don't like you're not tempted to like over medicate or overdose um Mm -hmm. hiding knives or you know if you Mm -hmm. if you have a gun like 
hiding that mm-hmm. and locking it away. So just kind of mm-hmm. all of these parts of a safety plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and all of that kind of ties into relapses. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of being able to recognize everything. And um, relapses are kind of inevitable because this is like a lifelong um disorder that you have to live with or i live Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. um but what we can try to do we being my care team and like Mm -hmm. people i love is reduce the severity and length of the episodes Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah like all these coping mechanisms it it Mm -hmm. really helps with that Mm -hmm. yeah got it yeah Thanks for sharing all of that. I'm sure they'll be helpful for anyone listening who may experience, you know, periods of these kind of depressive states or having these depressive symptoms. Um, One thing I wanted to pick up on is when you mentioned that you, one thing you find really valuable is calling friends and family when you Mm -hmm. start feeling like something isn't going right or when you're just feeling start maybe starting to feel a little bit down Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. first of all I just want to really commend you on that because that is not easy like I know it's not easy to share these you know low feelings and experiences with people because in general Mm -hmm. it's still taboo you know in our society Mm -hmm. to talk about these things so Mm -hmm. that's one thing um but my question for you is because i'm sure it's also a journey to get to that point where you are able Mm -hmm. to talk about these things openly with people you trust right Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering how that journey has been like for you like how have you now gotten to the point where you know you have people that you can reach out to in these crucial Mm -hmm. moments where you need support right right um that's a great question um i am fortunate to have a lot of really good friends um you know joanne being one of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's kind of building these friendships and maintaining these friendships is is honestly part of my self-care because by contacting them often um Mm -hmm. just talking talk like being able to talk about feelings in general that Mm -hmm. kind of opens the door to um to trust and Mm -hmm. to disclosing that I do have this disorder you know Mm -hmm. um again I'm gonna make a parallel to like coming out of the closet as being gay I don't know if you guys can pick up on that but I'm I'm a gay man (laughs) gay cis man um uh yeah it kind of just starts with like a few people that you trust um Mm -hmm. And then once you get, it's, you know, practice makes perfect. Once you practice on these people, you, mm-hmm. you kind of feel more comfortable opening up to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm very fortunate to have all these friends and it's not, you know, it's 
it's not just luck it is a lot of hard work um, mm -hmm. and I have prioritized that in my life right now um, yeah. so I have like at least a dozen people that I can call um, and know about my bipolar depression or bipolar mm -hmm. disorder yeah. yeah that's amazing and like I said like that's one of the things that I really admire about you is your ability to just like really stay true to yourself and be open with that with others mm -hmm. that's something that like I'm really learning from you um mm. just in terms of like how I treat my friendships and how even how I see mental health as well you know like my personal mm -hmm. mental health too mm -hmm. so yeah just wanted to share that I mean, you know this already, but yeah, it's, it's just really inspiring. And I think as well, like, you know, when you see someone who is so bravely sharing and see that like, oh, you know, for example, Castro, like, oh, like he's able to create this small network of people around him who he trusts and who support him. And he's able to share openly and they're okay like they actually love him like just not, not despite all of that but like they just love who he is so like regardless right they'll accept mm -hmm, who he mm -hmm. is no matter what and I think being able to witness that gives you or me gives you confidence that like oh I can also do that for myself Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so I think even for people listening like for them to hear that hey like Castro has 12 at least a dozen people in his life that he can reach out to like that's amazing and that's something I can aspire to even if it just means like I try to find one good friend whom I feel I can trust mm -hmm. you know like you mm -hmm. said like starting with yeah, baby yeah. steps yeah right right and I, I guess something that I just thought of now like when you open up to somebody it it's a benefit to you because you know you feel more supported um mm -hmm. but it's also a benefit to the other person because they feel closer to you you know like mm -hmm. um you know yeah it's just it just works better for both of you so don't think about sorry not, not to like tell your listeners what to do and what not to do but for me <laughs> i tell myself um, i tell myself don't think about like being a burden to these other people because mm -hmm. they they can benefit from it as well yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think just creating this safe environment just creating small pockets of safe settings and safe environments benefits everyone in those settings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely yeah yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess maybe if you'd like to share a little bit about some, maybe some challenges that you've encountered um, mm -hmm. in terms of, right, because life just throws challenges at us and we're put in you know many different kinds of situations where it might be a new situation that we haven't encountered before 
And you have to learn to kind of adapt your coping mechanisms or your management methods, mm-hmm. for example, to these to these different situations. So I'm wondering if you can share, you know, some of the challenges that you've you might have encountered and how you have or haven't been able to overcome them. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I wanted to share a few kind of quote unquote case scenarios for me that yeah. I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned before, I move a lot. I mm-hmm. did the count and I've lived in 10 different cities. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, not all of them I've had this diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, moving to a new city can be scary. Um, mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have the support system that you have in mm-hmm. your home place. Um so yeah, you kind of need to prepare yourself mentally for that. I mean, even recognizing that is a great first step. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can like lean more heavily on these long distance friendships and family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the most important things you can do when you're moving to a new place is setting up a therapist or a psychiatrist in your new place. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, I live in the United States, and mm-hmm. um, from one state to another, I, I would say, like, all of them, you can't transfer your therapist or psychiatrist because they're licensed for that specific state. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you kind of need to do your research, um, do mm-hmm. your homework, like, mm-hmm. find these people, and then potentially, I mean, if you're, like, an A-plus star student go-getter keener Mm. whatever you want to call it um Mm. actually contact them and like start this relationship before you even set foot in your new city Mm -hmm. um yeah so kind of moving to a new place these transitional periods that Mm. is an extra you know challenge that Mm -hmm. you should be aware of and recognize and prepare for Mm mm-hmm um the second one i wanted to talk about um i have not only have i lived in a lot of cities i've worked a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. (laughs) i counted 18 so far and that number is just gonna keep growing because i'm still very young Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i have worked my most recent job uh, was a kind of startup corporate environment which I wasn't mm-hmm. used to and mm-hmm. it was my first um, full-time job since getting this diagnosis mm-hmm. um, so disclosing in a work environment is mm-hmm. definitely a challenge mm-hmm. I would say um, again I'm, I'm so fortunate and grateful for all of these situations in my life but my manager was just really understanding and I could trust him Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of having, finding, fostering this relationship with a manager, um, that you can disclose to is really important. Um, mm-hmm. and it's important for a lot of reasons, you know, like just being able to talk to someone and adding them to your support network, but also, mm-hmm. um, being able to take time off to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I had to do that two or three times when I was working at this job, Um, I have a cousin who works for a a big company and luckily they have, um, you know, uh, understanding managers, but also an understanding company that 
allows them to take time off for mental health. Um, so take advantage of that time off and use it to get better. Um, I had a coworker say, it's just like when you're physically sick, you know, like you can trudge through a few days and like work at 50%, mm-hmm. or you can take a full day off or multiple days off and get back to 100% and you'll be, mm-hmm. you'll be a better worker, you know, like don't feel bad for doing mm-hmm. this because it, it benefits you and the company in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the last thing I wanted to say about that is um, not that I, I, I tend not to regret things, but if I, one piece of advice I could give is um, do this disclosure before an episode occurs, um, mm. just so that, you know, you can, you and your manager are aware that something might happen. And again, like, mm-hmm. they know that, or you guys know that you can take time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a challenge that, you know, I think a lot of your listeners might be in that situation mm-hmm. working in a corporate environment. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope that that advice helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something I'm really, really excited about, um, I mm-hmm. am moving in with a really good friend. Um, mm-hmm. I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and just kind of he I've, I've disclosed to him before again he's a really good friend so he knows about mm-hmm. my diagnosis but mm-hmm. because we're going to be living together um we have to take some extra steps right mm-hmm. um he is going to be the person that sees me every day um mm-hmm. so he um and i've i've worked with him and helped him in this um kind of learning more about bipolar disorder and Mm -hmm. education that's a really important step Um, Mm -hmm. not only for this support network but for yourself right just like learning about it is is always is like Mm -hmm. one of the most important things you can do Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah and along with that it's like recognizing the signs and the symptoms so that um, you know if he starts to see that I'm talking fast Mm -hmm. he could be like you know hey, is everything okay? Are you going through an episode? And that might make me stop and think and um, Mm -hmm. try to address it and start using those coping mechanisms. Um, And that kind of ties into communication, just um, being able to communicate openly. That's something that I have in my relationship with this friend. Um, So just, yeah, being able to communicate um, clearly. when I was doing my research for him um, and for us, uh, one mm-hmm. thing I saw was kind of having like a color system and this mm-hmm. might not work for everyone, but like, okay, I don't know if I would have like a sign on the door or my or mm-hmm. the fridge, but like green is like, everything's good. Yellow, mm-hmm. um, you know, like maybe I'm starting to recognize symptoms. Orange, mm-hmm. the symptoms are getting worse and, and red, like, you know, like, seek Mm -hmm. help or like um be ready to call uh someone Mm -hmm. and speaking of calling someone i always have the local suicide prevention hotline written in my phone Mm -hmm. um, and that's something i've asked this friend to do um Mm -hmm. just in case you know like it's like insurance 
um, it's better mm-hmm. to have it and not need it. Um, so yeah, that might seem scary and seem like so severe, but I think it's important to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say about this friend that I'm moving in with is I want him to know um, that he's not alone in kind of and kind of helping me manage this disorder. Like mm-hmm. he has my support network is his support network. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have to feel like he has to deal with all of my symptoms or mm-hmm. this disorder on his own. He has mm-hmm. these, he has my friends and family that he can call um, mm-hmm. and kind of help him help me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some challenges that I'm, I've faced or am going to face. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like one through line that I noticed throughout these three scenarios that you described is the importance of seeking help and support. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that might sound so obvious, you know, like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like my mental health is suffering. So therefore I seek help, right? It seems like it should be a very natural progression of events, right? But yeah, I think what you shared is so important in terms of preparation, right? So like before you move Mm -hmm. to a new city or a new country, you know, making sure that you know the ecosystem in that place of where you can Mm -hmm. find therapists, where you can find support, where you can even get medication if you need it. Um, Mm. And then with like the work setting, making sure you inform your supervisor beforehand, hopefully they're understanding that, you know, this is just how things are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of warning them beforehand of what may happen so that it's not such a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then also people you live with, like, I think the color system, the the tracking system is genius. <laughs> hmm yeah. Because it, like, it eliminates the need to use words, you know? And right, right. Sometimes it's hard to use words when you're in, like, a very difficult state or challenging state. Um, Mm -hmm. and just to have that even like, um, how do you say it? Implicit understanding between two people of, yeah, just like, this is me and this is my condition. And, you know, I think it's just helpful for all people involved if there's just awareness of it. I think that's like, also going along with like seeking help is just awareness and telling people around you who need to know, you know, it's really all tied back to breaking the stigma. It's like the opposite, right? It's like you're telling everyone and notifying everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's something, I think that's something that we really need more of, you know, like even in my own life, like I have my own mental health struggles sometimes And I don't think I'm at the point you're at where you have all these things in place. I think it's like incredible. Mm. And I think that's something that 
we can all strive for. And I hope that's something that one day becomes the norm, you know, that, yeah, like you said, like mental health is comparable to physical health. Like it can impact your ability to function and your ability to be productive and just to do anything Mm -hmm. in a similar way to like a physical illness. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think, just what my takeaways are really in this moment is the importance of sharing about it and speaking up about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. And like you said, the more we talk about it, the more normal mm-hmm. it becomes. Um, and yeah, I, I, I hope that me talking about it today um, has touched you know, even just one person and kind mm-hmm. of inspired them to start this journey of communication and, and yeah. openness and seeking help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start wrapping up. Um, yeah. Yeah, unless there's anything else that you wanted to, maybe this is a good time for you to share any last words or any just like anything you want to share for our listeners um i think i've talked a lot yeah (laughs) um i yeah i think that's everything um great i guess i i just want to thank you again joanne for Mm. not just for having me on but just for having this podcast Mm -hmm. um I love the intention of your podcast and kind of starting to erase the stigma that we, we talked about mm-hmm. um, and giving me this platform to, yeah, to, to come out and to reach people, which is, yeah. I think, one of the most important things we can do in this lifetime yeah. is reach out to people and help them. Yeah. And... Um... Yeah, I'm just going to ask just in case this is something that you would be open to or you want, like, would you Mm -hmm. want to share to our listeners like where they can find you or any kind of way to communicate with you just in case they resonated and, you know, they want to reach out to you in some way? Yeah, no, that's a that's a wonderful idea. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't care if I've met you before. I don't care if, because like sometimes talking to someone um, in your life can be challenging because mm-hmm. there's all this baggage. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why therapists are great because they're, they don't know anything and you can define who you are in the way you want with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't care if I know you, I don't care if you're a complete stranger. Um, mm-hmm. Please reach out to me. I love, I don't know if you can tell, but I love talking um, and I love talking. <laughs> I love talking about myself. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, you can find me. Um, let's, let's do Instagram because that is, uh, you know, the hip way to, to communicate <laughs> these days. Um, mm-hmm. Casto, C-A-S-T-O dot Unson, U-N-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you can find, that's my handle. Um, And then you can also find me on Gmail, the same exact uh, words and spelling, castle.unson at gmail.com. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on, Casto. This has been such a rich conversation, both for me and hopefully for you, and also I'm sure for all the listeners. So again, just want to thank you for your courage to share so vulnerably. And yeah, I'm just excited to see and hopefully have people learn from this and be inspired and just, even if it's just to better understand someone in their life who might be Mm. experiencing bipolar. I think that's already Mm -hmm. so helpful. Yeah, it really is. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Keeping Well. If you feel like this episode might be helpful to someone you know, please share it with them. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, consider giving us a rating on your platform of choice. And lastly, if you'd like to send us a voice message about something you're going through and would like some feedback on, or just a listening ear, visit us at anchor.fm forward slash keeping well. You just might be featured on a future episode. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep well.